Welcome to the Fantasy End Podcast, where we share our love for all things fantasy and discuss the broader speculative fiction industry. Welcome to the Fantasy End. Hey everyone, a quick note before we begin the episode. We normally avoid spoilers as much as possible, but we'll be going into detailed spoilers this time. You don't need to have seen Legend to enjoy this, and Legend relies far more on scenery and atmosphere than anything resembling plot, so you can still enjoy the film if you experience it for the first time after this. Okay, disclaimer done. Welcome back to the Fantasy End Podcast. This week, I am thrilled to be hosting both Bobby and Daniel from A Fictional Conversation, an appropriately named podcast where they talk about fictional things. And this is actually one of two crossover episodes. So we'll be discussing the 1985 film Legend by Ridley Scott on this podcast and head over to Daniel and Bobby's podcast to listen to us talk about the 1984 Dune movie. And so I guess if you're finding us from Bobby and Daniel's podcast, welcome. Otherwise, be sure to check out their show to hear us discuss Dune. And so, yeah, we're talking legend. So I have a lot of thoughts on this movie. Uh, but I'm curious just to open it up to the two of you. Just initial thoughts. I guess the way we started our Dune discussion, if you had to rank it enjoyment, one through ten. I would give this a very generous four. Okay. How about you, Bobby? Oh, um, so I'm going to split my rating into the beginning of the movie and the end of the movie. I think the beginning of the movie is like a seven or eight. Fully loved it. And then the end of the movie, it's a four, baby. <laughs> So would you average that out and say like a six is okay? I mean, I guess you could do that or you could do it the more complicated way I did it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I'm going to just start the discussion here. If you don't mind, Travis, I just want to put one thing out there. You cannot make Tom Cruise look like he belongs in a fantastical like medieval landscape. He just looks like Tom Cruise. It never not. It it just I expected Mission Impossible at any moment. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) So when I first saw him, I was like, okay, unibrow. They're going to like have him change that when he becomes a knight, right? No, no, that just stayed. And I was like, okay, that wasn't a character choice. Got it. Okay. So like, I want to address like at the beginning, we have like very first thing we see, I think, is this wall of text scroll, kind of like the Star Wars films. But instead of like actually telling us anything, it's like, okay, so there's good and there's evil. And they're always against each other because they're good and evil. Also, the unicorns are good, and this is how legends are born. It was the most generic opening text crawl you could like have. It was literally, there are good people, there are bad people, there's our two main protagonists, and they're so lovely, and unicorns. Like, and unicorns was... are on the good side, in fact. <laughs> Which was a surprise to me. If yeah. I, I was expecting evil unicorns, and I'm a little disappointed we didn't get them. Right. And so I guess then from there, we immediately go into, like, well, it basically looks like hell. And so we get the not devil, who is the darkness, who might I just say Tim Curry as the darkness is amazing. In I loved incredible. him. Like, I didn't realize that was Tim Curry. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, Hands down, the best part of the film. Like, the makeup on him, his acting, fantastic. I don't really think he had any cohesive backstory or motivations or anything like that, but that's that's aside. Tim Curry was fantastic. Uh, so we initially see him 
getting ready to go to a rave, I guess, because he's like on his chair with a black light <laughs> shining on him, topless, yes. and he's like yes. very moodily, like voice changer low, being like, oh, woe is me. So that was definitely an interesting start. With, I want to say, the most fabulous nails I think I've seen in a long time. I was going to say, I've been watching nothing but like RuPaul's Drag Race or Canada's Drag Race all week. And when he showed up, I expected like a RuPaul song to just start playing and him to start walking down a runway. I was like, those glow-in-the-dark nails, I need them. (laughs) They are incredible. I guess one of the very first things we have to establish is which version of the movie we watched. Uh, So I'm guessing we probably all watched the same version, but there are two cuts, uh, potentially maybe even three cuts. Uh, There's the version of the film that I saw, and what I'm guessing the two of you saw is the U.S. version, which has like kind of this weird synthesizer soundtrack from Tangerine Dream with like random pan flutes. Uh, And then there is like the everywhere else in the world version where they have like this orchestral soundtrack. They have like a lot of different choices as well. Like apparently Lily is actually a princess and she has a bunch of songs that she sings. So two very different films. I want to make sure that we're discussing the same one. Uh, I only saw, I, there was no song breaks. I think I saw the US version. It was whatever's on Amazon is what okay, I watched. Okay, that's what I saw as well. Yeah. I'm going to assume that that's the one I watched too, because Lily did not sing in what I watched, but I did know she was a princess, so I'm very confused. <laughs> I think well, she's a princess in both. Okay, they, cool. they did mess up, I think, at least a couple times and say princess in this one. But all the other times I noticed they would call her lady and they would cut away from the person speaking mouth right before they said that. So I'm guessing they dubbed in later lady instead of princess. They just had someone going lady into a mic. <laughs> yeah. I did appreciate the goblins that were there. Uh, they looked quite goblin-y. And I think they really embraced the classic goblin vibe. It was it was interesting, but I don't... Under, I've never... The evil hierarchy and structure was very confusing to me because there were these goblins introduced that are working for this devil guy. And he is the devil. Like, he looks like a typical Christian like devil. Yeah. But he is, like, at times, like, father... There's like someone above him. There's a bigger, (laughs) darker evil that he's like hoping for help. Um, And he's also super weak, like extremely weak, like to the point of the big, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but like I was surprised at how he's not that big a deal to handle. Um, So it just was, I I feel like the goblins could have taken him is what I'm getting at. And I'll leave it there. Uh, What I was going to say about him, I think his whole, because I think this is why he kind of addresses someone else higher as like father and stuff. I think his whole deal is he has been locked out of his like home. And I thought his whole thing was, I'm just trying to get home. But since I fully can't, I'm going to rule where I am. And I thought that's why there was this kind of like, higher up character than him because he was like where from where i'm from i'm not i'm like a prince i assumed i might just be adding my own stuff to make it make more sense is what i'm kind of realizing <laughs> well can, can we get into the initiating incident travis is that all right with the ring because i was very confused by this is that even what you would consider okay actually you know what? Sure. We'll, we'll go out of order. Let's talk about that because I have a lot I want to unpack before yeah. that scene. Too. Okay. Well, no, no, no. Let's go, let's go through, let's go through like actual like sure. scene by scene here. Let's go. Okay. So, okay. First of all, I, I think I understand why the goblins didn't overthrow the darkness. Uh, just because let's, let's say, 
I think Blix is the name of the main goblin we see. And he he has no aspiration to be the new darkness. He clearly is working yeah. on his poetry as a side gig because yes. <laughs> I can't tell whether they wanted him to speak in rhyme the entire time and just got ditched bars. it about five minutes in, but he would just randomly rhyme stuff. And I was like, all right, I guess we're doing the whole fairy tale thing now. And then he would stop and he wouldn't rhyme again. <laughs> yeah. So he chose his moments. He's, he's, he has a career, um, but he just, you know, I was just surprised at no point that he just was like, oh, sunshine. Because like the big baddie in this, his weakness is equivalent to like the aliens and signs weakness. We're like, oh, they came to a planet of mostly water and they're like surprised they get wet. And then there's the devil who's living on earth. And he's like, oh, by the way, sun, kill me right away. Yeah. And I'm like, I just, dude, know your game. Like you don't, and you're like only kind of deep in a cave. I'm sorry. You need to be way deeper. They were able to get sunlight to you with like four mirrors. Sorry, no, okay. I'm getting way it, too far down. It, it's not even a cave. It's underneath a tree, which is somehow a dark underground hell cavern, which somehow has a backdoor portal into outer space. But yes, let's address that <laughs> yep. later. That. Uh, I will say just on the goblins real quick, they are the reason I love this movie. And they are the reason why I love the beginning of this movie, because when they stop showing up, I stop caring. <laughs> I loved these goblins so much that anytime they were on screen, I was like, I need a spin-off series that is a workplace comedy where these three <laughs> are the main characters. And Tim Curry that. is their boss. Yes. So just like, like the that, office style. Yeah. Oh, I would love that. No, let's take it a step further. Let's just remake the office, but cast everyone as the goblins, right? Nothing yes. changes. The plot is exactly the same, but they're the goblins. Oh, and we add that fairy girl because she was wild. I kind of loved her too. <laughs> she was chaotic. That she was awesome. Um, okay, so we have these goblins. They're given orders by the the devil man to go bring. Uh, what what was the exact wordage? I don't want to get it wrong. Is it like it was something to do with like? Is it a pure person? I'm gonna be honest. My brain did not like function with this movie. They, well, they had I, to find a pure person because that was the only bait for unicorns. Yes. And I have to add here that because apparently the goblins didn't know what a unicorn was, the darkness like demonstrated his point by stabbing Blix in the head with like this spike thing and being like, "They have like a horde." And so Blix is like, "I get the point." that was incredible when he was just like yeah stabbed in the face with my, by my boss loved it oh my god okay so there's that but then the main girl what's her name again princess lily. lady lily. Lily. lily thank you she violates a horse or i'm sorry a unicorn <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry that's how it's presented to us i'm not gonna lie thought you were okay <laughs> but that's what she does and she yes. is the reason like stuff starts going south so yeah debatable uh okay. so that that is one thing that i'm very curious about right because okay first of all before we get into the horse violation we have to get into tom cruise <laughs> so, okay 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 so actually I'll, I'll take that back a step even like our introduction to lily she goes into this random peasant's house and is like hello so nice to meet you you're like a mother to me and the person's like hi i'm and she's like nope sorry no time for this and like runs <laughs> out i'm like well why did you go there in the first place what did this accomplish other than you like shitting on the peasant uh, and then so like she runs out and she's like 
Tom Cruise, although his name's not Tom Cruise, it's Jack, I think. She's yeah, like, let's Jack, just call him Tom and Cruise. And she's looking for him like straight up in the air. And I'm like, why would you be looking for like your boy toy in the trees? In her defense, he jumps out from he in does. the trees. <laughs> well, hold up, she hold up. knows him. In case someone somehow didn't already assume this, Tom Cruise has several characteristics from George of the Jungle in here. Don't know why they went that direction, but he he's very like, like odd. Is he Tarzan? Yeah, he's like on fours a lot. It's a he little is. weird. And he also does not wear pants the entire movie. <laughs> when he gets At armor all. and he just has no pants he underneath. He still has no pants. I was like, hell yeah, Tom Cruise, do it. I literally had the thought like, okay, he's going to have pants now. And he still did it. <laughs> I mean, whoever, whoever put that into the scene, the costume designer has real comedic timing. And I love them because they said, do not give this man pants. <laughs> Okay. I don't know. I have a different theory. I think it was Tom Cruise knew his ass looked good. So he was like, don't you dare put pants on me. <laughs> this ass cannot be pants. <laughs> yes. Sorry. But yeah. So, okay. Before we even get to like the inciting incident, right? Because there's still, like I said, there's so much to unpack. So Tom Cruise is like, hey, Lily, I have this amazing thing I want to show you that I've never shown you before and is happening right now for some reason that's very plot convenient. Um, mm -hmm. And he's like, but you can't see the way there, so I'm going to blindfold you. And he takes the blindfold out and like raises it to Lily's face. And Lily's like, wait, don't you trust me? And he's like, oh, of course I trust you, Lily. And then he puts the blindfold on her. <laughs> yes. This is, okay. this is also after they boned in that middle of that forest. Yes, and like, the goblins watched them. Yep, <laughs> they absolutely did. The goblins are notoriously voyeuristic. I don't know if you guys know. Um, to be fair, so, the, goblins don't, the goblins don't know what a unicorn is, so I'm sure they were just like, what is that they're doing? Oh, well. <laughs> Two things here with that scene. One, the conversation should have been reversed. I feel like they put the wrong names on the lines in the script because it should have been Tom Cruise going like, hey, don't you trust me? Put this blindfold on. And she was like, of course I do. And put the blind. But they like yeah. printed the script wrong and they switched <laughs> the lines somehow. Second thing, and I just want to get this out there in case anyone needs to hear it. If Tom Cruise ever tries to put a blindfold on you, the answer is no. I want to make that abundantly clear. I don't care if you are doing a movie with him in 2021. If Tom Cruise offers you a blindfold, that's a negative. Continue it's Tom on. Cruise, I trust you, but I also know you. Get away from me. <laughs> Oh, God. Yes. Uh, and I don't know if I'd go so far as to say I trust Tom Cruise, but, you know, yeah. there you have it. Uh, okay, so now, inciting incident, right? So he takes Lily to the edge of this clearing, which, okay, first let's just talk about, like, the sets in this movie because the colors are like so oversaturated and over the top there's bubbles floating through the air everyone has glitter sweat coming out of their pores yes. and like honestly i was kind of here for it it made no sense it was way over the top but like if you're going to commit to an aesthetic commit and they did it was perfect. It was perfect for this movie because it made absolute no sense, but they presented it in such a way that felt so real to this world and these characters and the goblins. I loved it. I was here for any time they were sweaty and just glittery. If, if anyone hasn't picked up on it yet, yeah, this movie's a little extra. I'd say a smidge. Mm -hmm. uh, right. So anyways, horse violating inciting incident. Oh my God. So <laughs> the unicorns, <laughs> come into the clearing, they're speaking to each other in whale song because that is canonically how unicorns speak. And they're like, 
okay, let's just watch this. And Lily's like, no, I'm gonna touch it. And she walks forward and Tom Cruise is like, oh no, she's gonna touch the unicorn. That's like the one thing that'll destroy the world. But he never tells her, don't touch the unicorns. <laughs> yes. In fact, he turns away from her. He goes, I'm going to watch her do this, or I see her going to do this, and I'm going to shame her for it by walking away. And I was like, that's not hot. It's the first movie I've ever seen that's main conflict could have been avoided by someone going, hey, uh, don't. Well, didn't you watch <laughs> Batman vs. Superman? Oh, that's, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so anyways, as like they have this really kind of strange sequence where like Lily is slowly getting one inch closer at a time, hand outstretched to touch like the male unicorn. And then the goblins are setting up like, all right, this is our chance. We're going to blow dart a unicorn. And so like the spoilers, they blow dart the unicorn and like <laughs> Lily is literally touching the unicorn as it's blow darted. It gets shot and like rears up in pain. And her first thought is that is lovely. <laughs> Did anyone else notice that it's nodded all over her hand? <laughs> oh, no. The actual horse that they were using to portray this unicorn just <laughs> rocketed snot all over her hand. Like, I thought it was going to be a plot point, but no, it just the next scene, it was gone. And I was like, ew, that's so <laughs> gross. Wait, you thought there was going to be a thing with magical unicorn snot that was relevant to the movie? I thought she was going to be like, Tom Cruise, look at my hand, I touched the unicorn. <laughs> but no, it was just gone, and I knew it was real snot. <laughs> yep, and like, not to mention, the unicorns are very clearly horses with some kind of prosthetic horn attached yep. to their head. It's the exact same way Darth Maul's horns are attached. Like, you see the putty. Like, it's very, like, yes. you see the makeup. Except... Darth Maul's horns don't jiggle when he shakes his head. And the unicorns <laughs> have very floppy horns. Yep. Yeah. Everyone knows that. It's notoriously unicorn horns are very floppy. Every, yes. The two things everyone knows about unicorns. Good and floppy horns. Also three, speak in whale song. Speak yes. in whale songs, yes. This movie yes. did amazing things for the canonization of unicorns. This put unicorns on the map, baby. <laughs> All right. Now, someone needs to explain what then happens with this ring scene, because I still have no idea what the hell that was about. Yeah. There's a thing with a ring or she's like, if whoever gets this is going to marry me. And then she just explain this. Someone, the motivations, the why and the implications, because I rewound it and watched it again and was like, I don't understand what just happened at all. So she's a princess, right? So she's essentially like. Uh, uh, um, think of like, this is my understanding. Think of like the Odyssey when, uh, Odysseus's wife is like, I get to choose my suitor by like doing this test with the arrow. It's kind of like that where she's like, I get to choose my husband if they get to complete this task that I get to set. And she's like, find my ring because I love you and I want you to find my ring and marry me. So I'm going to throw it in an area that you saw me throw it in. That's what I thought it was. Yeah, but like, I, well, here's the thing. Why did she decide to do it in that moment? Um, and she just touched a unicorn and got boned down in the forest. Like, why not? Yeah. So, like, my takeaway from it, because I, I did, I don't know if I actually said this on mic, but yeah, I had to watch this twice to understand the plot of the movie. Um, and the second time was basically me understanding there was no plot to the movie. Mm -hmm. But so, <laughs> this moment, she takes the ring and she's like, I have the right to choose my suitor, Jack. Go fetch this ring, will you? And she throws it off a cliff. And then Jack runs and dives to fetch the ring. And she's like, oh, shit, he's fetching. Yeah, here's the thing. She immediately is like, dude, don't do that. Even though she's like, if you want this to be in your life forever, like me, 
get this, throws it. He then goes to get it. And she's like, don't do that. Chick, chick, like, no, <laughs> you just did. I don't. That's like if I played fetch with my dog and I got mad because he went after the bone. Like, I don't yep. understand at all what's happening. Then he is in the water. He swims like down. Everyone says like, oh, he did the most impressive water stunt in like Mission Impossible 6 or something. No, <laughs> he doesn't have shit. Sorry, I don't know. I shouldn't swear. You're fine. I, he doesn't have anything on this water scene where he's swimming underwater. For I don't want to exaggerate. 30 minutes and just searching for this ring. And then it freezes over him because of things we'll get into in a minute. And he has to like bust through. It's a Mission Impossible sequence. I'm, they should have played the music is all I'm saying. Also, I was a little unclear on this. I'm pretty sure as he's busting through the ice to escape, he still never found the ring. No. No, he doesn't. <laughs> so he's yeah. not marrying her, I guess. Well, yeah. He finds it at the end, not to spoil that, but... Fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, okay, let's go over why suddenly the, the lake is then freezing over. Um, because yeah, the I goblins... Admit, I looked down during that scene and then looked back up and everything was covered in ice and I did not know what happened, <laughs> nor did I rewind to figure it out. <laughs> um, I believe... The guy is like, I don't like daylight. So he's doing stuff to the earth to make it so it's darker and colder. Am I, am I correct, Travis, in getting that? So, so I think, so they blow dart the unicorn, right? The unicorn yes. runs off and they chase it because it's not like an insta-kill. And it's like slowly <laughs> coming down and like it lays down because it gives up. It's just been blow darted out. And so then they walk up and <laughs> he like two hands his sword <laughs> and chops the horn off. And the chopping yeah. the horn off is when the world freezes was my interpretation. Right, but that that was that was they were trying to do that. That was like the right, end yeah. goal. So I yeah. guess the darkness apparently like the light is tied up inside these unicorns, and so if you kill the unicorns, the world is entirely in darkness. And so killing one unicorn takes you halfway into darkness, which is apparently a blizzard. So okay, the ecological stability of this landscape needs some discussion here. Um, <laughs> it's if a if a horse trips wrong, everyone's gonna die. Yeah, and the way those horses were running into each other during the filming of this movie, I was scared. I was about to see a horse break a leg. Yeah, I, it I, did not seem like a good. Okay, but I want to walk through <laughs> everything we just covered because it's absolutely bonkers. In a span of like five minutes, this chick's like, I'm gonna go touch this unicorn. Tom Cruise is like, no, don't do that. But he doesn't say that and he walks away. She touches mm -hmm. it, it gets blow darted, snots in her hand. She goes over to Tom Cruise and is like, hey, I touched that unicorn simultaneously. The unicorn's now running off with goblins chasing it that these two are just never aware of. The goblins <laughs> yes. find the unicorn, chop its horn off coincidentally, right at the same time that Tom Cruise has then jumped into a river to retrieve a ring that this woman decided to throw in this moment for some reason to prove the love that Tom Cruise has for her, even though she yeah. doesn't really want him to go after it. That's like three minutes of scream time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We yeah. were about 12 minutes into the entire film at this point. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah, like yeah. the half a season of television. <laughs> Not right? really, but and like, come on. Also, it should be stated here, in case we haven't stated it like outright, like at this point, no one but the goblins know the goblins exist. They think yeah. that like she touched a unicorn and the world is covered in blizzard. Like, I don't even know if they know that the unicorn's dead. They just know that she touched it, ran off, and now unicorn blizzard. Yeah, I don't think they ever really figure out that she's not actually at fault for causing those events. Oh my god, do they not? I think the movie ends with him kind of being like, that was a wild ride. Uh, well, I, I, I think everyone blames her, but yeah. no one oh, yeah. actually has any reason to think that, like, one, it was actually the goblins. Two, Tom Cruise is way more at fault for that whole situation than, like, 
she is. And three, also, I guess, sidebar, can we talk about, even though it's, like, not progressive to blame the woman for everything, but, like, the unicorns are super progressive for taking these two as pure of heart when they just fucked on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, they fucked in our forest. We have to show ourselves. They are very sex-positive unicorns, and that is symbolized by the glitter. Yes. I would say this movie is extremely sexist, but it is sex-positive. Because, I'm sorry, I disagree. I think this movie frames it as being entirely her her fault. I think they make this woman out to be stupid for pretty much the whole movie. And she's very like, Tom Cruise, come save me the whole time. Like, that was my takeaway. And I was like, I I agree the movie frames it that way. I just think, like, given the content of what we're shown, like, that is not the takeaway at all. But, like, that is definitely how it's presented. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. So, continuing on from here. Yeah, so continuing on from here, this is the part where when I initially watched the movie, I thought I fell asleep and missed a lot because it makes (laughs) no sense. So now Jack and Lily are separated, right? Because he did his swan dive into a lake that iced over and she just like started running. And so she runs back to the peasant house where she was just mocking them for saying she has like no time for their life. And they're all frozen solid, apparently. Yeah, so they're, they're like frozen solid. I don't know if they're dead or not. Uh, but like she's there and then she's hiding. Why? I don't know. Oh, because the goblins are chasing her, apparently. Uh, except they don't know she's there. They just happen to run into this random house and be like, oh, look, it's the mortals frozen. Ha ha. And they run off. Like, I did not understand anything about that scene. Uh, you can describe the plot of this movie as and then things happen. Yep. The, the best part about that scene, though, is when the goblins are just blowing up everything in the peasant's house. They're just taking the unicorn horn and just zapping things in the peasant's house so they blow up. And the other two goblins are like, how are you doing that? And the one goblin is like, I've always been able to do this. Duh. <laughs> and I'm like, um, Once again, love these goblins. Do not take them away from me. So... Is, is, it's right after this we get the angry dwarves that show up, correct? I think so. Like the dwarves yeah. and the fairy person. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot going on there. And that child did not have pants. No. Put that no child in pants. pants. <laughs> it's I Tom want... Cruise and children not wearing pants in this movie. And we're not going to say any more on that. <laughs> oh, no. I'll bring it up again later because there's a later scene that makes it very uncomfortable. Um, so yes, there's these angry dwarves that show up and they immediately start antagonizing Lily. Like, just so angry right away. Wait, they antagonize Lily? Yeah, aren't they just immediately like, isn't this your fault? And she's like, I'm sorry. And they're like, fuck you. Like, that's basically like the, isn't that what happens? Like, I was really trying, I'm sorry, this movie did not stick in my head at all. Okay, so I, I don't remember if this is the point where the goblins show up and like chase Lily off and attack like the dwarf person or is that later it all runs together that's what I'm saying yes there's no structure so it's all just like okay so here's what I kind of remember Tom Cruise meets the fairy folk and then the fairy folk and Tom Cruise go off to do something and at that time Lily has discovered the goblins and is following them and finds out their plan to kill the second unicorn and that's when she's able to find the fairy folk and warn the one of them that's war- that's watching the second unicorn but i don't remember what tom cruise and the fairy folk are doing and why well, they're, they're, they're not having away. pants on that's very crucial yes exactly i don't remember where they go to oh they go off to get the armor and the sword 
Yes, that's right. Oh, yeah, because Tom Cruise has that encounter where there's the giant thing that's just like, I'm going to eat you. And he's like, are you please don't eat me. And that's like their relationship. I think that's later. Are you talking about Meg, <laughs> the swamp monster? Yes. yes. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> oh, it's like, so honestly, my main takeaway from a lot of the parts of this movie is just that, like, there is so much that could have been really interesting if we, like, doubled the length of the movie and made the script make sense. Because it's yeah. like, apparently they did cut out a lot. And so some of that edit made it make less sense but i'm also having a hard time like understanding how like a lot of extra singing and like random stuff is going to make it make more sense uh but yeah so they level up tom cruise he gets his like gold scale mail and a sword and a shield no pants because yes. my my headcanon here is the horny fairy that gave him the armor just didn't want him to have pants uh <laughs> yeah, she, she was a very horny fairy <laughs> yes so to a point where later on it becomes a problematic scene. But and we'll that's get there. what I want to talk about later on because I was very <laughs> uncomfortable watching it. Yes. Um, okay. And then from there, so Tom Cruise and Fairy go on adventure. They kill Meg the Swamp Monster, which yes. I don't really know if there's much else to say about that because it seems kind of a weird, pointless scene. He um, chops her head off just like straight up. <laughs> I was like, damn, all right, Tom Cruise. <laughs> so they established Tom Cruise is a murderer in this. <laughs> yeah. But he's okay. So actually, I do have something to say. So he's like laying down there and like he, to the best of my knowledge, has never swung a sword because supposedly he is pure of heart, unless I guess his sword swinging was with Lily in the beginning, if you know what I mean. Um, but, so, anyways, Meg the Swamp Monster is like, I'm going to eat you. And he's like, wait. You're not really going to eat me, are you? And Meg goes, oh, indeed I am. <laughs> and he yeah, chops her I, I, head I, off. <laughs> looking at that bog witch, what part of her do you not think is actually going to eat you? <laughs> so this movie, so he's still pure of heart after that because this movie is sex positive and murder positive. I just want to get that out there. It's yeah, a very uh, pro-murder movie. Spe speaking of murder positive, there's that one dwarf that gets shot in the head. Oh, but, yeah. So, okay, yeah. anyways, he's shot in the head. It looks like he's shot in the hat, but he takes his hat off and his head is shaped like a gumdrop and he's somehow <laughs> pierced through the top of his head. And he's like, oh, you've done killed me. And then he's fine for the rest of the movie. They never address it. He's just following them around for the rest of the movie. Well, so I was baffled by that. I was like, oh, they're going to do the thing where he takes his hat off and he's fine. But no, they take his hat off and he's shot in the fucking head. Wait, no, no, no. So what happens is he gets shot in the hat and I was like, oh, LOL, he's going to be fine. And then he drops dead. And I was very confused because I was like, what is his head shape like? And then he takes it off and he's they reveal he is actually fine after dropping dead because it shot through like a glass bottle on top of his head and not actually his head. Oh, so, okay. They, they call it like something. They were like, oh, they shot through your heart stone. And I was like, so is he dead? I don't know. But he was <laughs> that fine. That sounds more vital. <laughs> so it was like that weird thing where I was like, he's fine. No, wait, he is actually dead. No, wait, he's fine, I guess. Uh, so, yeah, I remember being confused by that, by the, but him revealing that they shot like a glass bottle or something. Um, okay, so fr from there, how long until we get into the BDSM dungeon, if you know what I'm talking about? I think no. that's next. Yeah, I'm not just, sure. I thought so. Let's go there next, because who knows yes. where we are at this so, point. Okay, so I think the next scene is, like, we now see Lily and the unicorn, like, underground, and then, like, she has this dance transformation, where mm -hmm. it's kind of a visually interesting scene. Yeah, Like, they had some... Yes. 
some interesting like haunting synthesizer sort of music playing and there's this like I don't know if there's a woman or if it's just a black dress that's dancing and then like the dress hits her and she becomes like the black dress wearing lady like she gets a makeover like she's suddenly wearing like a very low cut dress like down past her belly button and like she is now dark side lily apparently at least that is my impression that we were supposed to believe is that the dress has now turned her to the dark side She's now Darth Lilith. Like, let's just yes. Yes. in Star Wars terminology. So, my this is where I took issue with like the quote unquote like progressive angle of this. It was saying the whole time, "Slutty is evil." Like that's what this movie was just being mm. like. Oh, low cut bad. So now she's evil, even though when she was still good, she just got dicked down by a Scientologist. So yeah, mm. I I love that transformation scene because I was just like, it, it was just really cool to watch, and then just her kind of becoming. Uh, the way I first saw it, I was like, oh, she's about to become more than just this like damsel in distress character. And I couldn't tell if they were going to go in like this direction of she was possessed or if she was going in this direction of like actually becoming evil. And I kind of would, I was more on board with her actually going like the evil route because the movie that I've been watching, like she gets shit on all the time. Like even the Fae folk are like terrible to her because they believe she caused this thing. So if I was her, like at some point I would have been like, fine, y'all think I'm evil. I'll be evil. I have these powers now. I'll be evil. And I was excited for that act for her. Yeah. Yeah. So my takeaway from that scene was, and this is me like trying to give it more substance than I think they actually intended is that like that's where her naivety and innocence kind of falls away because soon after that she's actually kind of matching wits with the darkness which is admittedly not a high bar to clear he he's (laughs) not the sharpest cookie in the light bulb container or whatever uh so she like tricks him into thinking that she's gonna kill the unicorn and he's like one, well, let me just say this mildly. He seems very aroused by this possibility. Like, oh, uncomfortable. Is at full go. <laughs> like, that was also so uncomfortable when he, like, kept trying to woo her. She was like, I'm not interested. And then he full on Beauty of the Beast was like, okay, well, if you're not interested, I'm going to stop trying to pursue you, but I'm not going to let you go. And, like, maybe you'll fall in love because you'll see the real me. And she's like, oh, that's very nice of you. And then he's immediately like, okay, so we are going to fuck. <laughs> she's like, oh, okay, you jumped jump forward way too soon. So not that this makes it any better, but my theory is that like the original version, he is actually supposed to be the prince of darkness and she's actually supposed to be like the princess of light or something. And so that's somehow some kind of union that would maybe make sense in his head. But like they dropped both of those angles and it just made no (laughs) sense and was, I mean, it would have been uncomfortable either way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, But Tim Curry, I want to say, I, I love his performance in this. I didn't know it was him, but like the, the evil dude is like 100,000% like the best part of this. He's so fun to watch. He does the over the top chewing the scene acting. And I just, I dig that. Like I'm always going to have fun if an actor is just kind of going ham and being zany. I'm like, I'm here for it. I'm a sucker for that kind of acting. I'm just going to leave yep. it at that. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he did a great job. I, as soon as I saw he was in it, I was so excited. <laughs> Well, and like we said, like uh, and it, 
plugging my own podcast, sorry. In the one we just recorded about Dune, we said Dune felt like a fever dream. This movie feels like an acid trip because of its lack of structure and it's kind of just like surreal, like over the top beauty and colors and like just the sparkles everywhere. To me, this was just like a weird trip where you took way too much and you just watched Mission Impossible. And so Tom Cruise is in water. And like, I don't know, it was it was good. Like, I, I still think this is as bad as I said it was, but I did enjoy it in a sense where it was like, it was competently made. I mean, it's Ridley Scott directing, right? Like it's competently made enough that you're like, I get what they're going for, but it was just fundamentally terrible. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Okay. Uh, so, so we're no, in the BDSM I, dungeon. I agree with all of that. Yes. So now, now let's continue. I guess at fast forward a little bit because I don't think really anything of substance happened between what we talked about Tom Cruise and his merry band of like dwarf fairies. Uh, so they're now under the tree as well because apparently the darkness does indeed live under a tree, and so they're under there and they get like locked in a dungeon. And then I think that's where like one of the most uncomfortable scenes in the movie God. happens. So let's yes. unpack that. Bobby, cool. I think you have some thoughts. Yeah. yeah, let's let Bobby handle this one. Okay. <laughs> so uh, before this, so one of the fairy folks that they're traveling with is like this little Tinkerbell s character, and she character, and she's just like this floating light dot. And earlier in the movie, she reveals herself to Tom Cruise as like, "Ooh, I can change forms, and I'm actually like a little girl." Uh, like fairy looking character and you're like oh okay and she has like a crush on tom cruise and she's like don't tell anyone my secret and it's like okay don't know why this is important and then we realize when it becomes important when they're locked in this cell they're about to be executed and they're like oh no we need to get someone to get the keys and tom cruise is like little fairy girl Ooh. Uta, I think her name is. Wait, He's hold like, up, sorry. You're leaving out an important thing. The person who's about to kill them, could you please describe the murderer who's about who's in charge of this dungeon who's about to try and kill them? Uh imagine if an orc from Lord of the Rings had a baby with pyramid head from Silent Hill. Was that uh, Travis, would you would you agree with that? Uh, I have no experience with Silent Hill, but I think I get the visual you're going for. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Perfect. Um, so uh, Tom Cruise is like Uta, like go go get the keys and everyone's like but Uta is so small she can't carry anything and then she gets pissed she's like how dare you reveal my secret and in my head i was like no they literally were just like she can't do it because she's so small they haven't revealed any secret yet but anyways she then <laughs> reveals her own secret by showing her true form of like this little girl and they're like, ah, Uta, you can actually save us. And she's like, well, I don't want to because I'm mad at Tom Cruise, but I will go do it if Tom Cruise, who was like 20s, 30s in this movie. Well, you got to remember, Tom Cruise doesn't age, so he probably was, but he looks pretty young in this. Like, I His never actual age Tom Cruise was 23. Age. 20, okay, thank you. Yeah. okay, I'm Good. really bad with ages, so I couldn't tell. But he's 23, and the actress playing this fairy was like eight, I would say. <laughs> she looks like a very young Messy Williams. Yes, I can't picture Messy Williams, but I will trust you on that. Um, and this eight-year-old girl says to a 23-year-old Tom Cruise and goes, I'll do it if you kiss me. And I was like please don't make me watch Tom Cruise 
kiss an underage girl. And then he starts to lean in for the kiss. And I was like, don't make me watch this. And then he gets way too close to her mouth, but kisses her on the cheek. And I was like, I'm relieved, but still uncomfortable. But thank God this is over. And then she says, that's not a real kiss. And I screamed because I just wanted this scene to be over. (laughs) I'm uncomfortable with you describing it. Sorry, yeah. Travis, yes. you say something? I, I was going to say, so yes, very uncomfortable. And what I'm about to tell you does not change a thing about that. But the actress who played that fairy is actually older than Tom Cruise. What? Really? Yes, she was 24 in that. What? Wow, she looks young. She does. Wow. She looks yeah. very young. I was going to say she was like 14, the actress. Oh, my God. I, I'm blown away. I, uh... I thought she was like eight. Oh my god! Are you, are you going to backpedal here a little bit, Bobby? Do you, you think you need to apologize? I feel like I need to apologize to her just because of how young I thought she was at the age of twenty-four, but not how, but not for saying that kissing an underage girl is not uncomfortable or is uncomfortable. I'm not going to apologize for that. Fair. Um, okay. So she says, I, "That's not a real kiss." And then what, Bobby? I don't really remember. I got to be real. My brain said, please black out. (laughs) (laughs) Travis, do you want to pick it up from here? Uh, Yes. So at some point, let's just assume that we all collectively blacked out and we fast forward a little bit because I don't really think anything of note happened for a little bit. Oh, she turns into Lily. Yeah, she's like, she turns into Lily and she's like, you can kiss me as Lily. Do it. It's real. And he's like, it's not real. And she's like, it's real. (laughs) Oh, God, still uncomfortable. Anyways, they fast forward. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. After all of that happens, they get out of the cell, whatever. They're fine. Um, And so I guess they're finally like they're ready to go up against the darkness. Right. And they want to save Lily sort of really their plan, I guess, is stop the darkness. Um, And so I want to talk about their plan because their plan is the dumbest plan ever. Their plan is (laughs) let's take all of these giant mirrors that aren't even flat or like very reflective and we're gonna like set them up to be like relaying the light from the sun and so we're gonna send like one dude all the way up above ground to like catch the light and then like shine it down and i also don't understand why he came out on top of a tower because i thought they went under a tree but like setting that aside (laughs) he reflects the like the goal is to reflect the light and it'll like relay it all the way down and i guess shine it on the darkness because he's allergic to sunlight Mm -hmm. so what do we think solid plan Well, okay, these are like the muddiest mirrors in existence. There's several of them. Let's be honest, it would not have made it past like the the first mirror. It would have not reflected enough in any way, but it it shines a light so powerful it knocks over physical objects. Like yes, when it, it gets blasts into the, health- the doors down, the giant <laughs> stone doors, it blasts yes. them. <laughs> So God. this sunlight has mass. We've established that sunlight has mass in this world. Does the sun not normally have mass? Sunlight. The sunlight Does the has sunlight mass. not normally have mass? What world are you guys living in? Actually, there's theoretical stuff right now that apparently light does. Okay, whatever. Um, I'm doing a bit, Daniel. <laughs> um, so, okay, we need to go over what exactly Lily's doing in this scene because it's important. Because she, it looks like she's about to follow through and, like, doom the world and be a part of this. And Tom Cruise has, like, his, like, he's pulled a bow back and he's yep. like, I don't want to kill her. And his friends are like, do it, shoot her. And he's okay. like, no, I don't want to do it. 
backpedaling before this so the the fairy that's like okay one i did also check his age because i was very uncomfortable at him being in a speedo the entire time yeah uh, he was 19 which is not much better but at least he wasn't six um, and so he's there and he's like tom cruise trust your heart not your eyes like clearly implying like hey like she might not actually be evil maybe don't kill her and then two seconds later he's like never mind kill her kill her just <laughs> do, like, it. do it oh my god that's also what bob Bothered me because it was like these are the good guys but you have one of the good guys screaming kill her i was like jesus what is happening here but tom cruise says something along the lines of like i always will trust her or something like that or i'm always she's always something it's something along those lines yeah. um and so he doesn't she betrays the dark lord and is like no i'm not gonna do it then the sunlight decides to have mass and blow open the stone doors yeah and hit devil man tim curry with the force of a thousand suns and then he starts screaming out for his father uh, <laughs> and it's basically like papa save me papa please come yep. And he, oh, after so getting funny. stabbed in the chest with the unicorn horn, because oh, yeah. He, yeah. which Tom Cruise somehow shanked him with after this like marvelous fight where he's somehow holding his own against this admittedly very weak bull devil thing. Uh, but also, Tom Cruise is so inexperienced that when he like somehow decapitated Meg poor swamp goblin rest in peace uh yeah, he like was like whoa yeah. this is a sword it's sharp and he like swings it around looking at it like he's so surprised and so he <laughs> goes from that to being able to take on the actual devil let's be honest this devil character moved like he had a lot of muscle but never did cardio like he is always walking after people he is very lazily swinging he's got Same. good muscle but he can't use it and that becomes very, he also is terrible at aiming his fire because, okay, by the way, as messy as this sounds, the listeners were like, I thought there was a bow and it's messy as a scene. Um, but yeah, so he, he, there's this awkward Tom Cruise jumping. It's very 80s action. And I think everyone will know exactly what I mean by that. Yeah. Um, and then towards the end of this, where they're having this fight, I realized how useless all of Tom Cruise friends were being. Because he's about to be like, there's a devil man attacking him. What are these other people doing? Nothing. They're still off on the side saying, like, kill the girl, kill the girl. Yeah. <laughs> and also, where are the goblins? Daniel, what were the are, goblins doing? They are the NPCs fighting the other NPCs while you, the main crew, takes on the actual villains. Pretty much. Um, okay, so we don't have too much after this here. Uh, but yes, we, we, we then have him not shoot her. There's the light. The devil man gets hit with the light. Papa, save me. Papa does not come to save him. Blasted that. into space. <laughs> and the, I, I, I don't, what was that? What happened to him? Was he thrown back into his shadow realm? I don't understand that. No, a great question. I mean, my my notes on that was just question mark. Team Rockets blasting off again? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> So it did not make a lot of oh sense, and right? They they were banking on the fact that the unicorn horn that was stuck in his chest would not get blasted off with him, right? Yes. Because then their world would still be in like semi darkness in the blizzard. But he yeah. like pulls it out and then drops it on the floor very kindly yeah. before he gets blasted. He was like, "Well, okay, if I'm not going to get my mission accomplished, let's have let's let's come on, let's give it to yeah. you guys. Well done." 
I'm out. <laughs> also, Tom Cruise doesn't like stab him with the unicorn horn. Tom Cruise like hucks it at him and it just so <laughs> happens to get it lodged into his chest. He throws it in the exact same fashion that Bullseye in the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie throws like pins. He does like this straight on like with it. It just goes right <laughs> into his chest. It's, it's, it, what the fuck? <laughs> like, <laughs> Um, so yeah, that is, and then there's a really, really rapid conclusion. It kind of just wraps up from there. Cause yeah. I was like, honestly doing stuff in my kitchen while it played on my TV and I kind of looked up and it was over. So I don't know exactly what happened. Yeah. yeah. So from there, I'm pretty sure they like cut away from that. So I guess credit where credit's due. Tim Curry has like a kind of good monologue at the end as he's getting ready to get blasted off about like, Hey, like you can't have good without evil or evil without yes. good or whatever. It's like, okay. But like given everything that came before it and everything that comes after it, like that kind of missed me with its potential impact. So anyways, the movie does kind of just end after that. Like they're like, okay, so we're still in a blizzard, so we need to wrap that up. So they show someone stick the severed horn back on the dead unicorn. Yep. And it's like the IT solution of like, have you tried turning it off and turning it back on again? And it comes back to life and everything's fine. Yep. The unicorn just stands right back up with the horn on its head and just goes, I'll unfreeze everything. Well, okay. There's also the issue where like the devil's like, hey, you can't have good without evil. But they're literally banishing the devil. Like... I don't so, know. It seems like good's coming out on top, man. I, yep. I, thought, I thought that was going to have a bigger payoff because, as I said earlier, there's that scene where the fairy friend is screaming, like, kill her. And I was like, that seems pretty evil. So then Tim Curry has this monologue about can't have good without evil. So I thought they were going to reveal that, like, the corruption in everyone and kind of, like, pan over to him, the fairy friend, kind of being, like, corrupted and us seeing that before when he does this like very evil thing of wishing to kill Lily. But nope, <laughs> they just said, nope. Can you imagine if the little fairy kid was the father the whole time and like that was the plot twist? <laughs> that would be insane. I would have, I would have fully enjoyed this movie if that was the plot twist. <laughs> they brought the goblins back and that little fairy folk was the father. I just love that the like ending of this movie is someone just taking a horn and yeeting it back onto a head and being like, just problem solved. <laughs> just with a glue stick. <laughs> just, and you're done. And then, like, I think the closing shot is literally Tom Cruise and Lily running off into the distance. And, like, oh, they're going back it. to their bone pad. They're going to go back to oh, the yes, boating. They, yep, yep. Oh, wait. Oh, my God. Wait, we totally forgot. So she gets poisoned or something during that big fight and, like, passes out. And the fairy oh, yeah. friends are like, there's only one way to break this riddle. And Tom Cruise is like, I don't fucking know. So he swims down, finds the ring, gives it to her, and then kisses her in the spot where they boned earlier. <laughs> and then she wakes up. And I thought, it, the movie was going to be like Lily. It was all a dream. <laughs> Didn't know what would have been amazing happening. is if, like, because the devil was saying like evil will never go away. As soon as she wakes up, she starts turning into Tim Curry. Would have also loved that. Would have also loved if she kept her evil dress and stayed evil. Okay, yeah. but like 
I would actually be 100% down with one, the fairy kid being father, and then two, she morphs into Tim Curry devil at the end, and they still run off happily ever after into the woods. <laughs> okay, so she turns to Tim Curry, he goes, I trust my eyes, or I trust my heart, not my eyes, and the credits roll as they run yes. into the sunset. <laughs> oh my god. Amazing. Ridley oh Scott, you met, you missed your opportunity, man. You missed it by a mile. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I guess like if wow. the tagline of Ridley Scott's Alien is like in space, no one can hear you scream, and like in this movie, it's like, ah, you know what? Whatever the fuck. <laughs> what? Fall in love with a devil. I don't care. I want to address a couple things we didn't touch on. Um, the aesthetics of this movie, like the look of it, also kind of has this feeling where like. You feel like it almost feels like the Muppets should be interacting these sets. It's very Muppet-esque to me. I mean, and then the goblins are pretty much Muppets. They had like right. the pig Muppet. Wait, is yeah, that why true. I love them? <laughs> Probably. As <laughs> well, um, clicking. I and but instead, like t seeing Tom Cruise in the sets, these sets is very unnatural in a way. It looked like yes. everyone should have been Muppets to me. Um, we also had a pretty unresolved plotline, I'd say, with a goblin who had higher ambitions to become a rapper, and unfortunately those will just <laughs> never be realized, and I feel sorry for him. Um, I would have really liked to see that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Not to mention the that there was a subplot that we entirely skipped over, where one of the goblins was actually a dwarf fairy who went to the dark side and wore armor to hide that he was a dwarf fairy. Yeah. And then, yeah. like, he suddenly came back and was on the good guys team. And they're like, "Yeah, no, it's cool. Like, even though you were evil, like you're not a goblin, though." And like, they never address that. <laughs> oh my god! And he gets baked into the pie that they saved him from. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh my god, what a wild movie. Okay, well, I guess closing thoughts, anything that we haven't talked about that we really should mention? Tom Cruise um, is very pretty in this movie. It's the prettiest I've ever seen him. Um, I think my closing thought is I didn't care for Tom Cruise or Lily, and if they had just disappeared from the movie, I think I would have enjoyed it more. <laughs> you just want the goblins and the devil interacting in like a work setting TV show. That's and all you want. And the fey folk being the rival uh, company that they interact with occasionally. Just office space with this cast in this makeup. Yeah, and definitely keep the little fairy girl because despite the fact that she had that very uncomfortable scene, she was great. I loved her. Okay, but like uh, uh, this is very like highbrow literature discussion, but if we were going with the idea of just like mm -hmm. recasting the office and refilming it shot for shot, like who is Tim Curry devil playing? Oh, he's the manager. He's like the Michael Scott. Okay. I can yeah, he'll see be that. the socially awkward, always trying to do like group things, but they're always like kind of wrong. He doesn't understand like the the cultural difference between him, a devil, and like goblins and fairies, and it just leads to shenanigans. I think he's partially that, but he's also partially Jan. So like we have those <laughs> scenes where he's very uncomfortable in the office and like making everyone very uncomfortable, but then we also have the scenes of him being a hard ass and everyone being like, "I hate my boss." Yeah. Absolutely. And, and then Blitz, the goblin, has a love interest that's a fairy, and it's like a frowned upon thing, but they overcome it over seasons and seasons and seasons. Yes. Yeah. yeah and yeah. every time Blitz has his little sidebar, he's just like, I'm just here to work on my poetry, man. Like, what do you think about this one? Yes. <laughs> all, of his, all of his, like, to the camera interviews are in, like, spoken poetry. Like, they're rhyming. But every time he interacts with people, like, normally, it's just him having conversations. And so it's yep. like a... 
It's like a just to the camera part of him. We see a side of him that no one else gets. But then at the end of season <laughs> one of this office remake, we have a scene where the uh, darkness is talking to him and being like, you have to stop rapping in the common space. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh, all right um, okay i don't think i have any more closing thoughts there bobby do you all that was enough of a closing thought for me there we go okay yeah well before we go then uh where can people find you guys online uh you can just type in daniel green on google youtube i'll pop up i'm daniel b green on twitter my middle initial is b that's not a weed joke i have to always tell people that and on instagram i'm d green 101 how about you bobby uh, so if you choose to follow me, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, it's Bobby Bobbles. I forget if there's an underscore in between those. Uh, I'm just kind of a hot mess on Twitter, so don't even worry about following me. Uh, follow our fictional conversation Twitter for our podcast instead of following me. That's probably your best choice. <laughs> Or if you're listening to this, you're probably uh, very familiar with how to subscribe to podcasts. So just go mm -hmm. ahead and give them a follow, uh, shoot them a review. Just check out, if nothing else, the parallel episode of this where we talk about Dune. Yeah, so on that note, I think that's a wrap then. So Bobby, Daniel, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This has yeah. been an absolutely legendary fictional conversation. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this has been a great time. You've had that in your head since before we started recording. <laughs> oh, I had that when I picked one. the movie. Yes. <laughs> you picked this movie specifically for that joke. You had the joke and then Googled if there was a movie legendary. I, I was actually like very much pondering ending this with being like, and this has been a uh, legend. Wait for it. And just like ending it there. And then randomly at the start of the other episode, just being like, Derry. <laughs> and then they'll just, just uh, flow into each other those two episodes yeah except everyone would then listen to fictional conversation first and have me look like a nutcase <laughs> so. Derry, welcome to a fictional conversation <laughs> we'll edit that in 